Welcome to the By the Hood podcast. Before we jump into this episode, just wanted to make you aware that on our website, bythehood.com, we have a free webinar on an intro to the stock market. So please go check it out. Just go to bythehood.com and you'll get the free intro to the stock market webinar. Take it easy and enjoy this episode. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast or webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. Just want to say thank you to everyone who supports anything that we've got going on. Um, special shout out to all the students in By the Hood University. And also a special shout out to all the students who came through to our master class we had with the Ivy Investor, uh, which was in cryptocurrency, which was amazing. Um, the feedback has been amazing. And that course is now available at By the Hood University. But just want to say thank you to all of you because you made that a special event. I'm joined by my partner, Crown Corey, as always. Corey, how are you? You know, every day above the ground is a good day. Never going to complain about being alive. Man. This is absolutely true. Listen, um, you know, our platform is designed to highlight brothers and sisters who look like us, who are doing positive and amazing work in the community, building businesses and just putting out positive energy. Um, this guest we have on, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, <laughs> Ashley Van Veen, let me bring her on real quick and tell the story real fast. Um, it was interesting. <laughs> so it was uh, on Instagram. We had a post um, from one of our previous shows and uh, she disagreed with the sentiment in it. And, you know, we were going back and forth. But I said, you know, uh, I don't mind engaging in conversation. You know, it was yeah. just a miscommunication. And then I saw the work that she was doing with millennials in terms of finance. I was like, well, will not you come on our show, too, and, you know, tell your story. <laughs> um, so so here she is. Ashley, how are you? Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Nice to meet you guys, Jimmy and Corey. Nice yeah, to meet you. Yeah. So, so that was pretty funny. You know, like, like I said, I don't mind engaging because it was never like nasty. It was like, hey, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. And I'm like, well, explain, you know, and I explained what he was trying to say. And, you know, so that's yeah. where it started. But, uh, you know, thank you for the feedback anyway. Like, I, I like the fact that you challenged us. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank you for being so gracious. <laughs> <laughs> Because I know how it is online. Sometimes people take it the other way and they just get, you know, but I'm like, I like I like feedback, especially when it's well thought out instead of just like some people go online and it's like name calling. That's stupid. But you said, no, I, I disagree with that because of this. And I appreciated that. So and then I saw yeah. the work you were doing um, and we're going to talk about the work you're doing. But before we do that, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Where are you from? Um, and, you know, how are you raised? Um, so originally, I think you asked where I was born. So I was born in Guyana um, and Guyana is in South America as opposed to Ghana in West Africa, um, mm -hmm. typically get, get that mixed up a lot. So I was born in Guyana, um, but I've lived in the United States most of my, my, my life. Um, and um, just a tidbit about Guyana now, it's, it's kind of uh, like a hot, a hot place right now. Um, there is oil, which is a new thing now. And so it's estimated that in the next 10 years, um, it's going to be a really major hub um, mm. in South America. So there's like a Forbes article that I read recently. So like we're talking oil reserve that is comparable to what's in Iraq, like really wow. huge oil reserve. So there's a lot of improvement that's going on right now. Like every time I, so my grandparents live there and every year that I go, like huge improvements in infrastructure. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see where it's going to go. Um, I guess the question would be like, how would I invest? So the thing about it is like, I don't know where to invest, right? Because, <laughs> um, you know, do you buy land? Do you look up the stock or anything like that? So it's kind of trying to figure out, you know, where where I should put my money or if I should jump in. 
Yeah, I gotta look at that article. I gotta look at that article. Up. That's that's huge. You talking about the size, like like Iraq? That's huge. Yeah, yeah. Interesting yeah. information right there. So when you came to the states, uh, where did you guys reside in the states? So Baltimore. Um, that's where my parents live. My mom lives. Um, so I went to middle school here, high school, went to college in Maryland, um, and so yeah, that's. I went to Salisbury University. Uh, oh. It's in the Eastern Shore of Maryland. Um, yeah, that was, was kind of like major was respiratory therapy, and I am a respiratory therapist. <laughs> okay, okay. Nice. So, so we got we got you involved in finance and money. How how did you go from you know um you know your your, your profession of respiratory therapy to wanting to get involved in finance and, and, and helping millennials with their finances? How that transition happened? Yeah. So um, a couple years ago, I you know came across the Dave Ramsey um, following and started to look inward and try to figure out how it can be in a better place. I made good money, but there was just stagnation, like, you know, just never accountability. So I paid off some debt, paid off my student loans, paid off like a brand new car in a year. Um, And then realized that I wanted to be in a community where people like me were just talking about money, right? It's not even, not even boasting, but just like talking about it. I wanted to kind of um, have a place for that conversation. And so Bankable Facts came out of that, of me sharing my journey, but also wanted to normalize and outing myself as like a money geek. Um, and so, you know, I, it, I probably a year, a year ago, I started Bankable Facts. It was just a following that started on Instagram. Now it's a um, small business that I am working towards, working on. So um, that's where that's where the money thing came up, came about. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that is you talked about um, being able to have the conversations. Like, I don't know about you guys in, in Corey as well, like, um, but in my family, like money just wasn't talked about that way. Right. I mean, yeah, a lot of people in the family don't even know what each other makes in terms of what they make, what their debt looks like. It just wasn't a conversation. Like, was it that way in your family as well? Um, and I was both of you guys at court. You never really had that conversation about how money was talked about in your house. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Ashley, you can go first. Um, yeah, money, it's not really talked about as to like how to keep it. Um and how to be strategic about it. You know, my mom, you know, came to the States as an adult um, from Guyana. And I kind of wish there was a family member who pulled her aside and said, make sure you did this, you know, mm-hmm. like family members who had been here for years and, and, and taken the steps to like prepare for retirement way young. I kind of wish they had pulled her aside and say like, you know, hey, make sure you do you do this, right? But my mom is a saver and you know, we're no we're we're realizing that just saving is not enough to build wealth. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, like in our family it's not normally to it's not normal to talk about money strategically. Um everything is assumed that you're handling it well if you have a job. If you have a job, cool, that's it, you know. Yeah. How about you, Cor? How how is uh Money talked about in your household at all? Um, as a youth, when I was young, money wasn't talked about at all. I mean, we lived in. I grew up on a. It was kind of weird. My 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 growing up was weird because we grew up in a multi generational house. My grandmother, my mother, and then the children. 
And then also on that same block, my aunts and my uncles lived on the same block. And then my mom actually lived on the, in a different house than my grandmother, but we all congregated there. So um, it was multi-generational living. So it was kind of money was talked about, but only in the form of pooling money when we needed to do something. Never like I didn't know anything about how much my mom made or didn't make. I just knew that if I needed something that if my mom didn't have it, I could ask, you know, I could yeah, ask for my family to pool it and, and, and put it together for me. Nobody had a lot of money but nobody was completely broke because we all kind of worked together. But I had no idea how much my aunt and my mom and my, you know, my grandmother were making. I guess here's the question for both of you guys. Like, should you have, right? So when we have these conversations, we start to like, you know, um, as, as we progress in society and we get more information, specifically in our communities, now we have more information and we want to share that information. But how do you share the information with the youth without like stressing them out or burdening them with, uh, you know, let's just say you don't have a lot of money, but you're making things work. You don't want to stress your kid up. <laughs> you know, so how do you, how do you navigate that? Like, what are some of the things we should be doing? I mean, as a person with three kids, I, I just, I actually sit down with my kids and show them, you know, the bills and I show them my, you know, what we're using to pay the bills. So my, myself and my wife have a joint account that we use to pay the bills. And then we show them all of the, you know, the stuff that we got going on with that so that they can okay. see that, you know, I mean, they don't know exactly how much money we make, but, you know, they can see how to make, you know, things work with, with the money that, that was available. You know what I mean? So all of the bills get paid and make sure that all of the, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, if we got credit card bills and stuff like that, all of that okay. stuff gets paid. So Ashley, let me ask you, Ashley, yeah. um, in your opinion, can yeah. you, you talk with a lot of millennials and this is that, you know, that's, that's your primary base. What do you think are some of the things that parents should do um, to try to have those conversations and enlighten the kids more with finances? What is your opinion? Um, so I have a brother, he's 10 years old. We are 18 years apart. So I'm in somewhat like, like a really, really, really big adult in his life. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's some things that he knows, like if he gets money there, it's you spend some, save some, give some. And then, um, so he understands that. And it, it's something that he, like he sees me building bankable facts. So I, I like that it's so normalized for him um, to know that money, there's a money has a purpose and you mm -hmm. can do so many things with it and make sure that you're doing all of those things at once. Um, so, I mean, that's my experience. It, you know, I'm not a, a parent yet, but I have my younger brother and, um, you know, I have a, an investment account for him that I put just like a little bit of money and or if he gets Christmas money, um, mm -hmm. godparents money or anything like that, my like I help my mom invest that money. And so I haven't we haven't told him that there is money out there invested for him. And so I'm you know, that conversation may come where he understands that you know, we, we, his parents are preparing for his future in that way. So, um, and it, it might just be an age thing. So mm -hmm. maybe right now he's not ready for that conversation, but maybe in a couple of years, he will be ready for that conversation. Interesting. So let's talk about that, uh, the actual name, Bankable Facts. Where did the name come from and, and what's the inspiration behind that? <laughs> I don't know. I was just thinking so hard about 
a good name <laughs> and it was like it was gonna be millennial something but if you go on instagram there's millennial everything mm -hmm. and then one it's so hard to spell millennial <laughs> so i'm glad that i you know there were so many that i was like okay let's let's think about something else and then i you know ashley from um the fresh prince of bel-air and my name is ashley and i was like ashley banks and i was like what is that it, somehow bankable facts came out of that so i'm so happy i love the name um and it's it's actually really unique on instagram too so i yeah. like it Okay, nice, nice. So because you um, you know, your your target audience is millennials and you're trying to help millennials and have conversation with millennials, what are some of the things um in your work that you find uh some of the mistakes they make or some of um the misnomers that millennial millennials have in terms of, of money and finances? Yeah, so particularly I want to talk to millennials who have nine to five jobs, right? So like me, I'm a regular person, I have a regular job. Um I make regular income, right? So um, I want the nine to fivers to really, you know, uh, use what they have available to them. So this is the four one ks, and some cases an HSA, and so like readily use those resources that are readily available to build wealth. And so like always like you're starting a new job, okay? Make sure you're you're looking at your four one k, and then beyond that. Let's look at the investments that you like the investment options that you have too. Okay, so what are the some what are, what are some of the mistakes that you that you've noticed in having these conversations that millennials are making? Um, yeah, um, I think the mistakes are think counting yourself out um, that wealth is not for you. Um, starting with you know the investing apps. Um, and you know this—that's kind of like a twofold kind of thing. Like you know, when I'm like as far as like Robinhood. So we all know Robinhood, and oftentimes that's like the first place that we go to. Um, and you know, thank goodness for Robinhood that they started making investing seem so accessible and inexpensive, right? The commission-free trading. Um, but yet again, it's like going there is not understanding that there's a tax implication to investing. So it's nice to start with like a tax advantage brokerage account, like a Roth IRA or even your 401k. So that like that, those are the, the common um, missteps that I see that my peers make is, you know, going to the Robinhood first or Acorn. And, and even when you assess what Acorn really is, I had this conversation with, um, Shida, Shida from Investing Patty, she's also on Instagram. Mm -hmm. We talked about Acorn and how potentially problematic it is because the, their concept is to invest your spare change. Um, and then they have a monthly subscription of paying a dollar a month. So that's $12. If you would look at the, the subscription fee of a dollar a month, right? and use that as an expense ratio of whatever investment, then you would have to invest a lot of money for that to be like an expense ratio that's comparable to just buying like going to buy VU, right? Mm -hmm. Buying a mutual fund that has an expense ratio that's 0 0.1. Like, so therefore the cost is like a dollar for every $10,000 that you spend. You, you've done the math, you've done the math. And, yeah. And that and you know what? That's not just a millennial thing because I a lot of times in, in speaking with adults and, and older folks that sure. they don't 
they don't look at expense ratios. They'll they'll look at an ETF yeah. for fun, and but they never look at the expense ratio. So that that's interesting. You've actually done the math, which is important. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so that's very important. And and personally, I have like a love hate relationship with those Robin Hood acorns. I have. And re- I'll tell you yeah. why. Um, being in the business for as long as I have, it's been difficult to get certain people, um, to even look at investing or understand investing. Yeah. When Robinhood came along, I got a lot of people involved. Now I try to get them to, okay, now you understand, let's move you to a tax advantage account. I move you off here to, you know, yeah. what I call grown up accounts, <laughs> but yeah, but it has enabled a lot of people to even just, um, become interested. Get started. So, yeah. So yeah. that's why I have yeah. a love relationship with them because, Right. But they have done a job of getting people involved. I can't deny that. That's you where know. I went. I mean, I, I did my 401k, but I didn't understand I was investing there. And then it was popular with the boys to be, you know, opening Robinhood. But then I op- I had Robinhood and I opened it. And I didn't know what to do. It was, you know, it's like <laughs> opening an investment, opening an app. And then now what? Like, where's education? Like, what is, what am I really doing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this question. You talked about having a 401k and contributing, but not even really knowing what you were doing at the time. Um, when you started to understand how money works, um, how investing works, how tax deferred accounts work, what was that moment like when it all came together and you you figured out like, oh, wow, um, this is investing and this is how you build the future? What was that moment like? Um, so here's here's how I started. So again, I'm a respiratory therapist and my very first job, I worked at a children's hospital um, and in, in Charlottesville, Virginia. And I was like 23 back then. Um, I'm 28, 29 now, going on 29 now. <laughs> so I was 23 back then. And um, it was like just one one day downtime in the, the NICU and a coworker, we just had a conversation about money. So he's older. Um, like mid 40s, something like that has a family. And, uh, you know, for me, rich white man, right? So Mm -hmm. we're talking about money. And he's like, are you investing? And I said, well, no, you know, like, it's always like something you meant to do. But you just like, you don't picture that you're going to do it, or you can do it, or it's meant for you. That's Mm -hmm. how I felt back then. And so he said, well, aren't you putting money in your 43B? So at the time, my company, they're retirement plan was called a 43B. Mm-hmm. So I I said, uh, no. I, and, and I remember this coming up in um, orientation, like the onboarding when you first get a new job. And I remember it being there and it sounded awesome, but I just didn't do it because no one, it wasn't talked about. Mm-hmm. And so the, in that moment, he walked me to the computer and sat me down signed, you know, logged in and signed up for it, like right then and there. And I started with 1% of my salary, right? That was like, that was my way in is like, okay, if you can do 1%, then you'll see how it goes. And then you're going to work your way up. So I started with 1%, worked my way up to the match. And then probably a year and a half leaving that job, I saw that what was in the account was like thousands of dollars, or Mm -hmm. maybe it was like, you know, like between a thousand and two thousand dollars. And I was like, whoa, you know, like, and that was the moment for me that I realized that there's, there's value in this, right? Of course, I could have looked at it when the market was down and it probably would have been discouraged. Um, But nonetheless, I, I, um, 
also, what I also noticed was that the company money, like the bonus that the company gave me, the match money, mm -hmm. was also a significant portion in what I took away when I left that job. Gotcha. So that, that began to be a very like eye-opening moment for me. Um, and then further on, I did some more reading up on, you know, investing books. And, and, and more and more, I, I learned more and more, I found people who thought the same way. Interesting. So that, that's, that's an amazing story. That's how it works for a lot of people in terms of, uh, you yeah. know, those 401ks. But they're, they're very important, especially when you get that match, right? Yeah. I'm always astonished. I know people that have worked at places for 20, 30 years and have never contributed. I'm like, you know how much money you've lost out on? Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. um, so that's, that's an interesting story. So now you have, you've, you've taken it upon yourself to create, like, you, you know, your own community and, and have these conversations. Um, what made you want to, you know, kind of give back and share? Like, I know you wanted to create a place where you can have the conversations, but you didn't have to, you could have just joined somewhere. What made you want to create your own thing? Um, because my voice is necessary. I, you know, based on- I love that. I love that. <laughs> my voice is necessary. I love that. My voice is necessary. I'm a black woman. I'm an immigrant. Um, I am just like, a, like your girlfriend, you know, who, you know, I, you know, I'm just a, just another girl that, um, you know, I call myself rich auntie. So I want to appeal to just the fly girls too. Like we can be wealthy and, um, we need to be wealthy, right? Like women, we make a lot of, like, we are oftentimes breadwinners in relationships. We are very educated as black women. Um, and we, we're getting these jobs out here. We're becoming business owners. And so this, my voice is necessary. Um, and I really, really, I received so much really, really good feedback. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. My voice is necessary. <laughs> I, I love that answer. That's an amazing answer. And you're, and it's, true. It's, I mean, it's the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, because it's relatable, right? You, you, so many people relate to you and, um, yeah. you're, you're helping people. So that's, that's always important. But let me ask you a couple questions, right? So what is your favorite book or book that's inspired you along your journey to, you know, starting from where you were to creating uh, bankable facts? Um, and if you have more one, looking fine, over there, <laughs> if you have more than one, that's fine too. Whatever you want to share. Yeah, I just can't. Let me, yeah, 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 I have a couple. Okay. So I, bankable facts also has a book club. Mm -hmm. Bankable Facts also has a running book book club. So um, actually, we're currently reading uh, Boglehead's Guide to Investing. And yep. the kind of investing that I, um, I teach um, is passive investing with index funds. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so many investing styles, active styles, trading options, all that stuff. But mm -hmm. I specifically focus on um, passive and um, informative investing. So um, Rescue Your Money was is actually a very good book. It was probably like a book I read very early on. Okay. And I got it from this financial firm. This guy is the, the author, um, Rick Edelman. And funny story is that um, Rick Edelman, his financial firm, I was recommended um, to it by uh, a coworker, like a respiratory therapist who was a coworker and he is rich, like he is wealthy. Mm -hmm. um, so like he's like already a multi a multimillionaire. 
And so he told me to to book an appointment with them so they can like be my financial advisors. And I got there and I, you know, showed I had to submit all my statements. And basically what I walked away with was that I didn't have enough money for them to be for them to um to hire them, basically. Mm-hmm. So that was an eye opener that like, you know, we talk about financial advising, but like like truly like until you have like a substantial amount of money, like maybe I think typically it's like $250,000, then is the time that you should probably contact a financial advisor um, or a wealth manager, basically. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, I'm DIYing my stuff. Um, and then... You got a the, bunch of them there. Yeah, yeah. The Simple Path to Wealth, I think every new investor should read that one, The Simple Path to Wealth. Um, I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sadie. That's just like like a good foundations book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and you mentioned the one you guys are reading now is um, the Boglehead book, right? Yeah, Boglehead's uh, Guide to Investing. Yeah, I've read that one. Uh, Boglehead's Guide to Investing, and the other one they have I like is the um, the three fund, the Boglehead three fund portfolio. I think is the one. Um, yeah, yeah. I like that one as well. So yeah. yeah, but I'm familiar with those as well. I haven't read Rick Edelman's book, but I'm familiar with who he is. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, yeah, that I'm familiar yeah. with the names, but I've never read any of those books. Not, <laughs> not that those. No, I'm just saying, not that those aren't good books. I'm just, no, but listen, I, I vouch for the Boglehead books because there's a lot of information there, and I think that um, and I've said this before, and and people criticize me online for saying this, but I. I, I honestly, and of course, you've, you've heard me say it. I say it in our course. Most people shouldn't be buying individual stock because most people aren't willing to do the research um, yeah. or, or, or what it takes. So I think that most people should be doing what you teach, Ashley, um, yeah. which is passive investing. You know, yeah. so I'm, a, I'm a big fan of um, Vanguard and, and what Bogle has built there. Yeah. But so let me ask you this question. Right. So you, you, you've you had a journey um, to getting you where you are with Bankable Facts. What has been the biggest hurdle that you've had to overcome to get you from where you started to where you are now, where you're building out your business and you're starting to grow your wealth? Um, biggest hurdle. I mean, there's so many hurdles like, you know, breaking through and talk about money. That is so personable. It's so personal. Um, but, you know, I've mastered personal finance on my own. Like I've mastered my own stuff, but now I'm, I'm, diving into business. So that is a hurdle for me to have the discipline um, to invest in the right uh, mentors um, and, you know, use the right system and really maximize on my time so that I can be impactful. Mm. You mentioned a couple words there that that, that are interesting. Mentor and systems, right? (laughs) So a lot of people will get into business and not recognize the power of a mentor or um, the need for systems. So yeah. you already recognize that. Why is that? Like, you know, um, yeah, I'm burnt out. <laughs> uh, listen, <laughs> that is the simplest, <laughs> greatest <laughs> answer in the world. I'm I love burnt your, out. Yeah. Well, listen, I love your honesty. That, that, that's, that's an honest answer. That's an honest answer. Yeah. Oh man. Listen, first of all, I love your confidence and I love your honesty. <laughs> You're like my voice is needed and you know, you know, so I just, I just love it. I love it. But, um, <laughs> So what's, what's the future for Bankable Facts? What are some of the things that you're looking to do um, to expand your platform? What are some of the things that you uh, want to do in the future? Um, so in the future, something that I'm currently working on is long form video on YouTube. Um, 
just because my my Instagram has been suspended. And so before that, my focus had been content creation, content creation for Instagram. And so YouTube um, is probably where my next home with home would be. Um, and possibly podcast, but for now it's YouTube. And um, I get to explain myself <laughs> much better and explain these concepts much better. Um, and then other things, just working and collaborating with some really awesome women in the personal fi finance um, community on, on Instagram um, and doing live workshops, which is something that I already do and I really enjoy it. So my next step is doing more collaborations. Um, but yeah, but that's, that's what I'm working on for right now. Ultimately, the end goal is just to build bankable facts to help many, many, many more women to help many, many more um, healthcare professionals like myself. Um, you know, there's a certain um, confidence that I rock with now being like financially stable. Um, and I want more healthcare workers to feel this way because I think that, you know, we're we're not paid like heroes <laughs> to mm -hmm. be honest you know during the during during covid a lot of um hospital systems stopped matching their employees um retirement funds wow. and i didn't even know that one that's the that's yeah that's the story. i didn't know that wow they did that and 2020 was a great year it was a really great year in in, in for in the market um and so of all the things to cut, I really feel like that should not have been the oh, thing to man. cut. So basically, they just they just took took money out their pocket. Basically, yeah. I mean, they took wealth because think about not that, not just that you know time is a big factor in all this. So you know the yeah. money you could have made in the market then, and plus that then there was time compounds. You start to compound the money that they took away. Exactly. I, that's the first I've heard that story. That's that's sad. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's. And that's who ugly. are the majority that work in healthcare? Yeah, women, women. So. I think that that's problematic and I'd like bankable facts to be kind of really looking into like how systemically like healthcare workers that we can better pay them, better reward them. Um, because I think more control needs to be in, in the talent, the actual talent that's working um, instead of like the higher ups um, or there can be a balance for sure. But I mean, we work tirelessly. Like when we say frontline, like COVID patient, me, COVID patient, like right in my face, right? So we're really de dealing like really, like, it, I mean, huge hazards, huge mm -hmm. workplace hazards. Um, I'm particularly a travel respiratory therapist. Being a traveler is a co completely different ball game. You get paid more um, and you get uh, better tax uh paid better, more tax savvy. So basically just a smaller percentage of my pay is taxable income. Um, and so, you know, like typically this is like a hurdle, like people think about and they, they kind of, they're uncertain about because you work contract by contract. And so there's no guarantee as with a permanent job, but, um, this is a conversation that a lot of people love healthcare workers should really consider. Um, yeah. Wow. So, you know, with that being said, you are right. Your voice is needed, um, yeah. you know, for, for a number of reasons. But um, I love what you're doing, love what you're building and and, and stay you. I, I just really yeah. appreciate your energy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> really. So before we got in, Corey, you got any, you got any questions for the sister? 
have to. Um, being an immigrant coming into the U.S. and and coming into this the school system and 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 seeing things the way that you see it from two different perspectives, um, and then going into the finance space, was there any difference between what's taught in finance in the country you came from, Guyana, in yeah. the United States, or was it just it wasn't taught at all in either place? Um, I think when I came here, I was really young, um, but I did start learning economics. I was, I was so, I was 13. So that's like middle school age. Um, I did learn some money things. You know, another thing was like math was everybody were like, no one ever said I hate math. Like it was normal for girls to love math or, or boys to love math. Like um, and so I think that I'm happy for that foundation that I had that it was it was definitely normalized to like mathematics. Um, and so when I coach people, there's like this, 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 this message, this inner self talk that because I hate math, or I'm not good at math, then I cannot be good at money or my personal finances. So um, I mean, maybe that's like a culture thing that I've noticed. But other than that, I don't think that, like, I, I'm not on Facebook <laughs> around my family about this money stuff. Because I don't want people to, you know, it's like, it's such a, it's still really taboo to talk about money. So mm-hmm. a lot of my family have no idea what I'm doing. They have no idea. <laughs> oh like <God>. how, <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, like one by one, they're finding out and they're accepting it. And they're like, Ashley, thank you so much. But. I'm not gonna, you know, go out to the masses and say, "Hey, fam, this is who I am now." Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. The second question I had is, um, on the business side with Bankable Facts, what the, what uh, what kind of platform are you using to uh, reach the millennial population? Like, I know you're on Instagram and stuff like that, but like, how do you, you know, use your your platform to reach the millennial population you're trying to reach? Um, so I, Instagram, um, I have an email list where I've got some, you know, good people who communicate with me. Um, the book club is also a really solid um, group of people who are like, who stay informed and stay in touch and build community around just knowledge. Um, a lot of the things that I do, they have to be um, relatable. I try to, you know, bring my experience as a healthcare worker in there because there's so many of us. Um, and yeah, so it's like, I mean, there's there's so many other places. There's TikTok and all mm-hmm. this stuff takes work. The social media stuff takes work. You don't got to tell us. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a job. But the one yeah. thing you said, I'm glad you said is you have that email list, right? So um, yeah. um, um shout out to uh, Erica, uh, the classy climber, who uh, has an amazing YouTube channel, by the way. You might want to um, get in, t- in contact say with that her. again. Erica William. Her name is the classy, this, this, the classy climber blog is on YouTube, but Erica okay. William. Um, and she's on Instagram too, um, Erica yeah. Williams. But one of the things that she was talking to us about is, you know, when you build up these platforms, you may have 10, 20, 30,000 followers, but you, that could be gone in a blink of a minute. You have to build your list mm-hmm. in, you know, um, in terms of building your business up to make sure you have a way to contact your people. You know, so I'm glad you said that because you've already started that process. But that's very yeah. important. And I mean, yeah. you know better than anybody. You talked about the problems you're having right now with IG, right? So, yeah, 
Yeah. That's proof, that's proof I mean, positive. It is uh, an awake, I'm awakened now, like it's yeah. an eye opener to not just like, and it can be anywhere, YouTube, yeah. wherever, you know, like, yeah. so. You have to make sure you get your audience. You don't have your own list. You don't have clients. <laughs> this is yeah. true. So with that being said, Ashley, I just want to say um, thank you for your time. Um, your story is amazing. Um, I love what you're doing. Continue to do what you're doing. I love your confidence. I love what you're building. And your voice is needed. You are absolutely correct. Your voice is needed. So continue to do that. And, you know, we're supporters of, of Bankable Facts in terms of what you got going on. And thanks for sharing your uh, story with us. Yes. Thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, and um, for the folks out there, I'll put her contact information within the show notes. Um, so you can reach out and see what she's got going on and, and follow her journey and follow, you know, join her book club, do whatever you got to do. Just make sure you reach out to Ashley and tell her that you heard her here on By the Hood. But um, she's doing amazing work. Uh, and and I'm, you're very inspiring. I love when the, the youth come on, people who Yo, are younger than us. Young people, that energy. Yeah, yeah, the millenn yeah, the millennials are killing it. You know, <laughs> we had about 30. We had about 30 people under 30 on this show. And every time I'm inspired, like y'all guys, y'all guys get Busy. Yeah, I know a lot of people talk trash about millennials, but you guys, are, <laughs> you guys are smarter than us. You're, you're doing it the right way. Yeah, um, you're building. So we got more information. We have more access. Yeah, yeah. But it's inspiring to old guy. Like I get inspired. So you've you've been very inspiring. So thank you for that. Um, thank you guys so much. And to, uh, I really appreciate the work that you do too. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And for our audience out there, make sure you follow Ashley. See what she's got going on. Um, and check out everything you know that that she's building. So. With that being said, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates, and we'll talk to you guys in a future episode. Peace. Okay.